Hello and welcome to Jag Bags, a cello, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Byer. And I'm Len Foote. Welcome to the program. Tonight, we have a special theme and a special guest. The Northwestern Wildcats currently sit atop the Big Ten West standings with a record of 4-0. First time they have gone undefeated in Big Ten play since the 96 season. So this is a great opportunity to talk Northwestern football, but the topic of this podcast is going to be Northwestern's greatest games. Um, I have a top 10 list and a topic so incredible and uh, unexpectedly difficult requires the assistance of a NU super fan and so we have all the way from Northern California, uh, a, uh, an expert in this field, Kevin Stern, welcome to the program. You forgot to mention that I'm your former roommate from and fraternity brother from college as well, but. Dave <laughs> <laughs> made a lot, of, a lot of mistakes. That's, that's, actually the, that's actually the first line of my bio in an obituary probably. <laughs> I've, I'm glad to be here and this uh i'm looking forward to this uh this this uh topic something that's near and dear to our hearts yes not necessarily is. not necessarily lens as i understand it but len, I'm sure he'll... len I'm a casual fan len will yeah. always text me after a big nu win because uh, i'm excited you know chicago why? northwestern's always been such an underdog i mean i'm more of a college basketball fan just because Sorry, Amber <laughs> Alert. <laughs> we can edit that. <laughs> Not to dismiss it. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure she's fine. I got it too. Yep. A dark blue 2001 Oldsmobile. And Br Bridgeview. Yeah, that sounds. That sounds like trouble. If it's an Oldsmobile. Yeah. Right. Anyways, but like I said, Northwestern's always—they're uh, always been an underdog. Even now, they're an underdog. Like this year, nobody expected them to be good, right? I don't think anyone expected four and zero. Yeah, they—they so. they pretty much sucked last year too. That's it's terrible. Yeah. A good reason why they—no one expected them. Yeah, so it's exciting. Oh, it's great. <laughs> It's great, and, and they're and they are Chicago's Big Ten team. <laughs> well, that's that's I I always I usually work on Saturdays, so that's why I don't know a lot about college football. But I I pay attention to Northwestern and Illinois, and I have a tiny bit of knowledge with other teams just from reading the paper. But I'm not a diehard or anything. It's interesting the way the Trib covers NU because it seems to like. Um, toggle back and forth between Illinois getting the lion's share of the coverage and then Northwestern. I feel like it's whoever squawks the most. Like this year, Illinois is not that good, but yet on Sunday, 
when I opened the paper, like Illinois gets all these column inches with like pictures and like analysis. And then Northwestern is like shunted to the bottom of the page. It's like, it's consistent and use four and oh, anyway. Um, and, but I, that hasn't been always been the case. Sometimes I feel like NU has gotten the lion's share of, of media coverage and, um, and Illinois hasn't, there seems to be no rhyme or reason to it. But I think it's because expectations were lower for NU this year. And I guess Illinois was projected to be better than they are. Well, they were, they were decent last year. Right. But they've been awful so far this year. Yeah, I really have. They're lucky they won course, last week. Yeah. Of course, Northwestern beat Illinois last year again. So for their yeah. only, only Big Ten win last year. Right. Yeah. That was, the, uh, that was their signature win of the uh, yes. of the 2019 season. It really was. They, they got the Land of Lincoln trophy. They retained it. <laughs> yes. The hat. So. Uh, I love those trophies. Anyway, before we get into NU uh, football, let's talk uh, some of our past uh, uh, podcasts. We had a good response to the, uh, the David Bowie uh, episode. Yeah, that was a fun one. I've been listening to a lot of Bowie this past week. And I think you need to go listen to Heathen again. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Go listen to it again. And, uh, well, the two things that popped up, like, basically the day of the podcast was there's a live album he did in 95 that's getting released. And then this was actually funny. So he did a song with Morrissey. And my friend Jim, who's a big Morrissey and a big Bowie fan, he writes to me on Facebook, that song is awful. <laughs> and he loves both of them. And he's like, it is terrible. <laughs> so I just thought that was funny. Here's some, here's some big news. Nope, I hate that song. <laughs> I, haven't listened to myself. I haven't listened to myself yet, but I just thought that was funny. I haven't heard it either. Yeah. Um, we'll see how the live album is. I wonder. Live albums are always so hit or miss. There's a bootleg that I have. It's from 1974. Someone gave it to me. And um, it's great. And um, and then there's like a... He had a live in Santa Monica album that I think was... I don't know when that was released. That's excellent, too. Yeah, I think I listened to that one. Yeah. Those are the only two that I... I can't say that I... You know, when you talk Bowie, and, and like I said, I'm not the world's foremost Bowie expert, but you know, like certain acts, like a, a live album is like an essential part of their repertoire. Like, yeah, you know, like the Stones have a lot of, you know, classic live albums, The Who, but Bowie, I don't know if it's, I, I'm sure the fans are like, oh, well, this album is the most well-regarded, but I think to the casual fan, which I, I still would consider myself a casual uh, Bowie fan. I don't, I'm just not aware of like that essential Bowie live. I don't really know much about his live stuff either, but I don't, he probably doesn't have like great live albums. Cause I think you would have heard about them. You know, I mean, if anybody knows differently, let us know. Let's uh, let's turn to our premier gold uh, um, uh, podcast listener, Kevin, who is a big Bowie fan. I am a big Bowie fan, and I was 
I enjoyed your uh, your pod on that. And on the live album uh, front, I have a a deluxe version of Station to Station somewhere that it actually has a lot of live songs from that, which I think are excellent. Um, in terms, you know, in terms of like what my thought were my favorite albums, because I was thinking about it while listening to your pod, <clears throat> I, I, I heard Mike give kind of short, or he's not a fan of low. And it, it's, it's interesting to know that Low is actually the number one album from Pitchfork for best albums of the 70s. Really? Yes. Huh. And then Life on Mars is their number one song from the 70s. Um, and I've always enjoyed Low just because it's, it's, it is definitely not one of his, you know, it's not laden with any hits by any stretch. I think Sound and Visions, probably the biggest song from that. And that wasn't a big, big hit, but it's, you know, its influence and, you know, it was so much ahead of its time, you know, from, in terms of, you know, electronic music and that whole thing. And it's really a touching touch point for so many artists subsequent to that um, highly influential album. Um, favorite song, I would say, would be Heroes or Life on Mars, um, which I think, you know, most people would probably agree with her among the top 10. Oh, um, heroes. Yes. Yeah, Life on Mars, um, one of, our friend did a bracket and Life on Mars won. Yeah. yeah. And Hero, Heroes and, is funny though, because Heroes, Heroes wasn't like a hit or anything when it first came out and now it's gigantic. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a soundtrack type of song nowadays. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, so, yeah. It's on a trailer montage. It totally is. Song you hear in the background. Great song. <laughs> it's the new yeah. Born to be Wild. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I was glad to hear you guys uh, mention the, the, the most embarrassing moment in Bowie's career, which had to have been the Live Aid collaboration with Mick Jagger for Dancing in the Street. That, that in the video is just, it's just, it's the, the peak of embarrassment. I still have PTSD <laughs> from watching that video, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad so, it's so bad but even the story about it is they're just basically threw it together yeah <laughs> i mean there's so much bad 80s output from 70s rockers you know that you know they peaked in the 70s and that is you know where bowie i think reaches nader and um he refers but, he refers to his 80s output as his phil collins uh era yeah which is i mean i think that i think that gives it a little short shrift i don't think it's I don't just I don't I don't dismiss it that much. Uh, I mean, I think you could do a whole pod on basically like seventies, sixties and seventies, you know, rock gods basically, and their eighties output and just how embarrassingly bad it was. So <laughs> Neil Young, Neil Young's another classic example of that. Um, I think we'll just, we'll talk about Neil Young one of these days. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. yeah. He's a good one for a pod. Yeah, I love Neil Young. So. Yeah, me too. That'll happen. Anything else on uh, on Bowie? Um, it, it did very well. Um, I expect it to crack the top ten. Uh, maybe it will overtake one direct our One Direction podcast. <laughs> Unless my daughter organizes a coup. <laughs> I don't know. Do the, do the Netherlands, Nepal, like Bowie? 
Did you find out? They listened. We, we, we got our we got our one check. <laughs> global. That's great. That's global. Amazing. Our Isn't global it? reach is impressive. <laughs> All right, let's move on to sports. Uh, you want to talk? Uh, you want to talk football first or NBA? Uh, you had an NBA. Uh... It doesn't matter. Whatever. Well, we can talk. Uh, we can go. Uh, we'll keep it consistent. We can talk football. Uh, the Bears are. Uh, they're playing right now. In a, in a must win. And yeah, uh, I think so. Nagy has relinquished the play calling duties uh, to Bill Lazor. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm surprised. Surprised by that. I think I didn't think uh, he was going to give it up. No, I think I I think he was probably told to do that. What do you think Ryan Pace called him? I mean, because uh, Nagy doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to, um, you know, to deviate from his. You know, he seems like a pretty strong-willed guy, and he's only yeah. doing things unless he's getting pressure from uh, from above. Yeah. And they need a spark. They really need an offensive spark. Yep. So why not try it anyway? Yeah. And uh, and it and it and it makes the fans happy, I suppose. We'll see. And the Vikings' defense is not good. So yeah, that's that might help because I think they're the worst against the pass. Yeah. So uh, if Foles uh, hopefully can get some time to throw. Maybe he won't, uh, you know, maybe his PTSD will be kept at bay. <laughs> his shell shock. He does. He looks scared in the pocket. So yeah. I don't know what to do about that. Uh, I, I think there's nothing to do about that. Yeah. I, think he, I feel like he is who he is. I mean, his stats are like, if you look at the numbers, they're like fairly decent. But if you watch him play, well, like last week, if you watched a game last week, you you would not think he played well, but his passer rating was good for that game. Yeah. But not if you know, if you <laughs> you watched it, you're like, oh he's terrible. That game. Yeah. A lot of bad throws. Anyway. Yep. If they win, all is uh all is forgiven. Yep. Um, and then they get a, a bye week and then they get to lose to the Packers by fifty when they come back. They, how dare you? They are going to roll the Packers. They are. Is that it? Is it, is it in Chicago? I haven't even looked. I don't know. I, I know they're playing them. I didn't, I didn't notice where, but yeah. I'm not optimistic about that one. Yeah. I, when the Bears are in turmoil, that's when the Packers destroy us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, Aaron Rodgers beats us when we have a pretty good team. This is a shaky team. Yeah. So. Well, here's hoping the defense finds its footing and maybe they can harass him a little bit. I don't know. That looks like a tough one. The Browns eked one out yesterday. You know, the last two Browns home games have been played in uh, uh, conditions that are like they 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 both have had like 50 mile per hour winds and um both games and uh just horrible conditions for like kicking or um you know throwing the ball if you look at mayfield's stats i mean 
I mean, he was 12 of 20 for like 120 some yards, but it's because you there's no throwing the ball longer than eight or nine yards. I mean, he didn't turn the ball over. He managed the game well. You've got two of the best running backs in the league. Give it to them, and and um, and the defense showed up. Um, I thought that would be a trap game. That's a game the Browns normally lose. Those mm-hmm. close games and lousy conditions. Um, so, um, you know, that's a that's a good win for them. And this is their this is the crucial part of their schedule because it's all cupcakes, and they play. Yeah. The, they play the Eagles next week. They can win that game. And then they get Jacksonville. They can win that game. So they can be eight and three. Um, and uh, their schedule apart, they got to play the Ravens. They won't win that game. And then the Steelers, which is the final game of the season. And I can't remember offhand who their other opponents are, but not good. They're not good teams that they play. The Ravens lost the Patriots and the Patriots aren't even good. So the Ravens have uh, their issues. I don't think they're. Yeah, there. I thought they were going to be the best team in football. They have not. No. Not, they have underperformed. So we'll see. Yep. All and right. then the uh, other thing we we're going to talk about sports wise was NBA, NBA draft. And the odd thing about this is so the season starts basically a month after these guys are drafted. So they're not going to be ready. Yeah. They get drafted. You still have to sign them to a contract, do all this other stuff. None of them are going to be ready. This guy, I know he said he, he thinks a lot of these guys are just going to be in the G league until they're, you know, ready to get in there. So a lot of these rookies won't have an impact this year, no matter how good they are. Even if they're really good, no one's going to be ready to throw them in there. Especially a guy like Thibodeau, <laughs> who, who wouldn't play rookies if they scored 50 points every game. If you are the Timberwolves, who do you take with the number one pick? You know, I don't, I've been reading up about these guys, and nobody stands out. It's kind of the same few, four guys, but I feel like they all got – none of them are – guys that have been talked about forever you know what I mean like most years there's a guy that's gets picked that you've heard about like um the guy from Duke last was it last year or two years ago everybody knew who he was Zion yeah Zion everybody knew he was gonna get picked first this year you know these guys I don't think they have that kind of history behind them so I, I could they could go anyway uh, either way, these guys could be busts or it's a, it's a weird draft. It's, it's a weak draft from everything I've read. Yeah. They, there is no standout player in this draft, apparently. Like a couple yeah. of weeks ago, yeah. I read, or no, like a month ago, I think it's, they said there's four guys. And then lately now they're saying, oh, okay, maybe there's seven good guys in the draft. <laughs> so, who knows? It's really it's it's a tough one, I think, if you're a general manager to decide who you're going to pick this year. So who knows what the Bulls get? I uh, have read just a few mock drafts, and they are saying that everyone that I've seen says that the Timberwolves will take with the first draft, with the first pick of the draft, Lamelo Ball. Yeah, that's what I've seen too. And uh, it's either him or um, 
what's his name? Anthony Edwards. Yeah, he's from Georgia. Really good. And then there's what James we- James Wiseman, who's a big man. Yeah, from Memphis. So they don't, but they're not gonna. Yeah, but they're not gonna pick him because they have Carl Anthony Towns. Um, so a lot of people are saying the Warriors will probably take Wiseman with the second pick if they don't trade it. They could use this. The Warriors could use a good center. I mean, that's a lot to throw up. I mean, he's only had one year of college. That's a lot to throw in. Well, he, he had like two games in college and yeah, then he yeah. like was ineligible or something because yeah. you know, Penny, Hard- Penny Hardaway like got him caught up in some kind of, you know, improper yeah. benefits kind of thing. Yeah, there was an article about uh, in sports. So when they say he's from, they say he's from Memphis, it's really not, it, you know, two games in Memphis is not really from Memphis. <laughs> about as much as Kyrie Irving right. was from Duke. Yeah, I mean, I think Kyrie may have played like 10 games with Duke. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, LaMelo Ball played in, he's played in Australia against really inferior competition, apparently. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot of unknowns. So, there, there's talk that the Bulls will take this guy, um, Toppin from Dayton. He's the national player of the year. Um, yeah, he was playing really well at the end of the year last year. But like I said, all these guys, they're not your typical. They're not your well-known guys that everybody's heard about. So that'll be interesting. I hope the Bulls get, get lucky and get the right guy. They will take Israeli Denny Avjija. He's one of the guys, he's he's in the top seven. He's one of those guys they think is gonna be good. I think he's the top international player. Yeah. Is he Israeli? I know he plays in Israel. Is he Israeli? Uh, I just see him listed as Israel. So maybe. Like Maccabi, Tel Aviv, or whatever. whatever right. The right. top team in Israel. But I'm not sure yeah, where he's actually from. What was your research team doing today? Uh, my research team? Yeah. Uh, well, I gave him the day off. <laughs> you gave him the day off on the day of the podcast? <laughs> You know, we all have different ways of motivating. So I told Cuttington, I said, look. Um, Listen, do not talk about Cuttington. Sorry. Cool subject. Uh, I told Calvin, I said, uh, look, you know, go to, uh, go to, uh, there's a lockdown, you know, get your, get your groceries in order. Um, get a Disney plus subscription. And, uh, catch up on the Mandalorian. And uh, I'll I'll take care of everything. Um, what yeah, about you've you've done great. You're doing great. <laughs> Can't believe the circus you run. I, I'm uh, I'm I'm what's known as a a, a, a player's coach. <laughs> I run a I run a lax ship. Move on to uh, let's move on to the Rolling Stone top 500 uh, poll. What uh, what album did you? Uh... I listened to four more. Four, four, four. And one, one of them was an album I never. I, I obviously have heard of them, but I don't think I'd ever heard a song by them. It was uh, Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, I listened to Enter the Wu Tang. Yeah. But I only listen to it once. And I feel like if you don't know any songs, you only listen to it once, you can't really have a good opinion. I feel like you need to listen to it three times. 
but just from the initial listen, I at least like the energy of it. So I'll just do a couple more times and see what I think after I've listened to it three times. I also listened to Hounds of Love by Kate Bush. Yep. That album, that made me think of St. Vincent when I was listening to that. Like, I feel like she does a lot of stuff that St. Vincent does. Right. And I knew, I knew a bunch of the songs on it because Ernie was a big fan of hers. So that's a, that's a pretty good album. I'll, uh, I'll give Rolling Stone credit for that one. And I knew this album pretty well, but I still listened to it one more time, mainly to yell at you, was uh, Blonde on Blonde. I don't know how you can say that's not a great album. That's a great album. Um, Come on, Rainy Day Women, Visions of Johanna, I Want You, uh, Stuck Inside a Mobile, um, Leopard Skin, Toolbox Hat, Just Like a Woman. That's a great album. You're insane. I'll I'll second Len's remarks there. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. We're having Kevin on every week now. I'll be be your hype man. Yep. I am <laughs> just as an antidote for your tomfoolery. I'm, I'm knocking you down to premier silver. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> You're going to miss the latest update then. That's tough. That's right. Mm. And then the last one I listened to was the Ramones. Self-titled. Never You've never heard that? What'd you think? I've heard, I've heard tons of Ramones songs, but I don't think I've listened to specific albums. Like I have a Ramones album that has like 30 of their songs on it. And I've listened to that a bunch of times, but I didn't specifically listen to that album. But that's, you know, that's a good album. I wasn't surprised. I knew, I knew a good amount of the songs. And uh, again, that one, I have no problem with that one being in the top 500. So uh, overall, would you say that... Um those four albums belong in the top 500 or are there any that do not belong? I, yeah, I think, well, Wu-Tang Clan, obviously I don't know enough about it, so I can't really comment on that, but everybody talks about them. So as far as being influential, I think that belongs on there. They're definitely. And like Kate Bush, same thing. Yeah. Just for St. Vincent alone. Dylan, you're hundred percent wrong about and the Ramones. I mean, the Ramones is they're rock and roll legends. So, yeah, nothing, what? nothing really bad to say about any of them. Yeah. For the for the record, I do say that Blonde on Blonde is a top five hundred uh, album. There are just several Dylan albums that I prefer to Blonde on Blonde that are, in fact, clinically better. No, the only one I think is probably better is. Blood on the tracks. That's that's yeah. that's about it. Uh, I was I was asked the other day by a friend of mine randomly, could I name all the members of the Wu Tang Clan? There's like ten of them, so I won't try to I won't try to give them to you right now. But I don't know any of them. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, old dirty bastard, ODB. I know, yeah, I know he is, but. Like Method if you man. tell me the names, I go, oh yeah, I recognize that name. But there's guys that are like, he's in, he was the, in the RZA, the Jizza, yeah. <laughs> inspect the deck, Ghostface Killer. All right, I already said too much. Ghostface um, Killer. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, are you a fan of the Wu Tang Clan, Kevin? Um, I wouldn't say I'm a you know hardcore fan. Um, you know, I their you know their most famous song is probably Cream. You know, which is Cash Rules Everything Around Me. That's like their biggest hit, and that's you know on. I think that's on uh, fifty or whatever. 50, enter the Enter the Wu Tang. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of they're one of those groups where everyone says you know they're you know one of the best and they're highly influential. I never have gotten like really into it. Uh, into them, I know of them, but I don't. I, I can't say I'm a big listener of them. So. Yeah. I That's kind of why I, I, I like doing this just to see, you know, what is, mm-hmm. why is this considered this? Right. And I, uh, I'll, I'll just do it a couple more times. Two things on that album. One is uh, my 18 year old out of all the like quote unquote classic uh, hip hop albums. That's one of his favorites. He thinks that's just great. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, I find that interesting. And then two, they were at Riot Fest I was one, a while ago. And uh, that was, and just in terms of crowd energy and how they, um, um, their, their stage show, that was an awesome concert. It really was. Uh, and uh, there are a lot of people you could tell that were at Riot Fest only to see Wu-Tang Clan and then they were leaving. Uh, <laughs> no interest in seeing uh, Andrew WK or... <laughs> or what, they don't like the party? Yeah, no, they don't. Apparently not. You have to see Andrew WK. <laughs> He's there every year. <laughs> he never leaves. I, don't, I heard he just stays there. Right. He's too busy partying. Yeah. Well, the one Party album that, that I listened to um, was the Ray Charles Modern Sounds in Country and Western Music. Fantastic record. Yeah. Oh, were you familiar with any of it? I was, well, I was familiar with like, You Don't Know Me, just from, yeah, that's like a, a big hit. And then Born to Lose was, um, I had that on a greatest hits, um, Ray Charles. Uh, but it's all, uh, um, and I've had a, I have a, I have the genius of Ray Charles, and I have, I think it's genius plus jazz equals. I can't remember the name of the, um, but I didn't. I didn't have modern sounds in country and western. Never listened to it. Uh, that has been corrected. I think that's a phenomenal. He can sing anything. Um, I mean, he really can uh, can do it all. And he really just took all these um, you know country standards and just gave it the Ray Charles treatment. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So that is my. Yeah, that's on my list. I, I have to listen to that one. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- will you be listening to John Coltrane's A Love Supreme? Will that be next I'm week? I'm going to listen to all of them. Any, uh, any album. This might take three years, but... He has to listen to jazz now. And <laughs> I do. We'll see. I think I liked one of them. I can't remember. There was one of the famous jazz albums I listened to a couple of years ago and I liked it. I don't know if it was Miles Davis. It might've been Miles Davis, one of the Miles Davis ones. Like but Bitches also, Brew, either Kind of Blue or Bitches Brew. Those are one of those. two ones. Yeah. I think I liked that. I didn't tell Eve that, but just between me and you, I think I liked one. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so that'll happen. We'll, we'll discuss jazz at some point. 
<laughs> glorious episode of Jag Bags yet. <laughs> All jazz pod. Jag Bags jazz. <laughs> jazz. Jazz. We'll call it Jazz Bags that week. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And we will sell lots of Fedora Jasmine merchandise uh, that week. Merch that. You can merch that. We are going to be ready. We'll do it when we're ready with the merch. You will have record listenership numbers. It'll be worth it. I will wear a fedora. <laughs> Make it the number one. I'm going to hold you to that. I'll do it. I'll there's do a it. bunch of jazz ones on there. There's at least five, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's a couple miles Davis. There's Coltrane. Right. Um, Mingus. Who else? Mingus has one, right? I think so. Yeah, there's a, I'm pretty sure there's at least five that I'll have to listen to. Duke Ellington. I know there's a Duke Ellington. Yeah. It's in there. But it's it's fun. I like doing this stuff. It's fun. Like when we talked about Bowie last week, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, Kevin, but I went, oh, I think I did. I went through every Bowie album, like right, I was in the middle of going through all of his albums right before he died. And that's what made me a bigger fan of his because I got really deep into all of his stuff. So this Rolling Stones thing is, is kind of like that. It's just fun just to see, all right, what am I going to like and what am I, yeah. what am I not going to? It's, it's fun to hate these lists because they just open themselves up for, you know, they make themselves such a target. Um, but at the same time, I always do you know, get, I mean, the, the point of it is to hear a record or two or three that you haven't heard before. Yeah, and like anybody's going to make a list of 500 anything and somebody's going to look at it and go, oh, I agree with all that. That's exactly what I was thinking. When I'm done, I'm going to do my top 500. And everyone will agree with me. Yes, yes. Uh, they, all, they always do. There's going to be, you know, plenty of Jafria. It's like uh, pavement. Jafria will be your pavement. Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to three pavement albums. Oh, my God. I like pavement. Not as, much as, favorite? Rolling, not as much as Rolling Stone. But... What's your favorite pavement album? What should we start with? I don't know. The first or the second one. I can't. I haven't really thought about it beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> I like Malcolm's After that, it new, fell off. Malcolm's new solo album is good, though. I like it. Is that the one called Weekend at Jag Bags? No, it's, I don't, it's, that was the one before it. But his new one's good. I liked it. All right. I have to check it out. I'm counting on you, Len. Yep. Right. Miracle waits my verdicts on everything. Yes. And Nepal and the Netherlands. Yes. DJ yeah, anxiously awaits. <laughs> Hope he sends another fax. That was a sweet one. The one he sent us. Uh, I didn't like it so much. He forgot my name. Well, <laughs> it'll happen. It'll happen for you. I suppose to keep saying Mike Byer, one of the co-hosts of Jag Bags. Now my, guess, my guess is VJ likes somebody who has a better research staff. <laughs> That's just my guess. I don't think he likes jazz. That's why Mike. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and he really likes and he really likes blonde on blonde too so <laughs> vj vj has a dylan blonde on blonde poster in his room i really don't like the direction of this alliance forming 
Against what do you know about Saturday Night Live, Kevin? Come back next week. Oh, I have my views. We'll have to see what the poll, have to say what the ratings show. I'm sure you guys will have a bracket set up. So, Oh, we did one already. We did one. And did an uh, SNL bracket? Yeah, Bill Murray won. It was Bill Murray over Tina Fey, Beeve's arch enemy. Uh -huh. And my theory is when Tina Fey was in Chicago, Beeve asked her out and she said no. That's why he doesn't <laughs> like her. But she was in Chicago for a while. She even auditioned for your the theater company. She auditioned at the factory. Yeah. So, so says a couple people. I was not there. But, uh, they say, oh, you, yeah. were, you were trying to woo her. They have like a plaque on, in, in, the, uh, in the theater saying Tina Fey tried out here. And was her... And, they should. There's there's a yeah. couple people. Uh, I saw uh, Amy Poehler's old uh, '90s headshot kicking around. It's very funny. Um, I'll have to go see if I can uh, uh, find that because um, she was in Chicago too. I did not realize. Yeah, she was um, at I.O. There was a picture of Amy Poehler in her one of her improv groups right when you walk in. All I'll say is that Amy Poehler kicks Tina Fey to the curb. That's my. I'll just start there. <clears throat> nope. We'll talk next week. I am clinically correct. <laughs> You're probably getting faxes right now about your foolishness. Uh, let's, uh, let's. Our elite, our elite listeners who get to listen to it live, <laughs> sitting next to their fax machines with their premier gold cards. Yep. That your staff has sent them because you overworked them. All right. So, on to Northwestern. Let's do, it. Let's do it. I wanted to ask you guys something real quick before we start with this. What years were you guys at Northwestern? We both were uh, freshmen, uh, came in uh, in 1987 and graduated in 1991. So that we were there during the Francis Pay era. Yeah, so... I, I give you guys a lot of respect because they were really bad and you stuck with them, which is and true. I, can actually, I oh, actually went and looked, looked up the records while we were there to refresh my memory and preparation for this. <clears throat> so freshman year, two, eight, and one, when they had ties back in college. Interestingly enough, 1988, also two, eight, and one. 1989, this was the best year. 0 and 11, and then 1992 and 9. Yeah, I, I wrote that down too because I, I yeah. thought that's when you guys went, but I wanted to make sure. So those are our four years. So what was, before we get in your top 10, what was your favorite game of those years? Did you guys go to the games when you were there? Oh, yeah. What was your favorite one that of that four-year stretch? There was one where they beat Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> I can remember. Was it Wisconsin? I remember Bob Christian. Uh, I remember Bob Christian. He was on the Bears. Yep, Bob Christian. Was it a fake field goal against Wisconsin and they won? I remember that was my. Uh, remember, it depends I remember, on which year you're talking about. I can't remember. I have a I have a fair Wisconsin game as well, which I'll talk about in a second as soon as my Mike's memory bank is emptied. From when from when we were students? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well. 
I think you know, that, who, was another, who was another big star besides Bob Christian when we were there? Byron Sanders, running yeah. back. Yeah. Who is the brother, I recall, of Barry Sanders. Yep. I think he got drafted by the Bears, too, Byron Sanders. <laughs> they, were using, <laughs> they were using that Northwestern pipeline. Yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you know, they have all the scouts at their games, obviously. I also so, I looked up I looked up some famous Northwestern players. Irv Cross, CBS's yes. Irv Cross. I didn't know that. I didn't know Steve Tasker went there. Yep. I think he's is he in the Hall of Fame or he got nominated at least because he's special it's teams. Like, ace he's like forever. a special teams like yeah. the best special teams player ever or something. I know he I know he was on the list for the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he made it or not. And then I knew about Chris Hinton. That was one of the biggest. Northwestern guys ever because he was he was a good pro too yeah he was the number one pick um, he was involved um, in the John Elway trade yep yep I remember that and then uh, traded for him the Broncos the Bears still using the Northwestern pipeline now they have Sherrick McManus another special teams ace so maybe the Northwestern special teams coach coaches should be in the NFL yeah you get these guys because those are both two great special teams players. Corey, Corey Wooten was briefly on the Bears. I mean, and played. He was a contributor. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one whose big hit ended Brett, Brett Favre's career at last. Oh, really? Yeah, he knocked him out in that freezing cold uh, game in Minnesota. They had to carry Favre off the field. It was pretty dazed. Um, yeah, it was hit by Wooten. Um, yeah, and so, you, you Bears didn't Dwayne Bates play for the Bears? I think he did. I think he did. Yeah, I mean, not. I don't think he was. A... So, Len, to answer your question about my most memorable Northwestern football game, it was also a Wisconsin game. I don't remember if it was the same one Mike remembered because I was the game I'm remembering. It was sophomore year, homecoming. I think it was. Uh, Northwestern was winless going into the game, which was not uncommon during our, you know, our time there. And at, when we were in college, the typical pattern of any football game, what, especially in a fraternity, um, would be you get there, you know, the games would kick off like at 11 a.m. local time usually. And you would get there early in the morning and immediately start drinking and drinking and drinking. And you could go into the games whenever you wanted to, you know, with a student ID, there was no ticket required and you could leave if you wanted to and come back. So what the typical practice was, is you would drink at least up until halftime, find out what the status of the game was. And if more often than not, they were getting their butts kicked, you would then leave and go back to the tailgate. But for this game, I went, we went to the game. I, you know, I did the typical, you know, pattern of getting drunk and drinking at the tailgate. I went into the game and they were winning that game. And we won the game. And at the end of the game, the students started chanting, you know, rush the field, basically, because we were so like, you know, and, and tear down the goalposts, which was a thing then. Um, and so the end of the game came and I was near the front at the bottom of the stands where the student police force had aligned themselves telling 
the students not to go onto the field. And sure enough, I ran onto the field at the end of the game and immediately got tackled by a police officer and was promptly arrested <laughs> and taken, <laughs> taken downtown for booking. All for the glory with, of with the juggernaut. Disorderly, disorderly conduct. <laughs> Meanwhile, my fraternity brothers who also ran onto the field, they were smart enough to literally run with the football team into the locker room. And so they escaped getting captured. And then to make That's why Northwestern team, has such a good academic reputation. Yes. And, on their feet. and to make matters even <laughs> make this this moment even more memorable for me. Uh, the next uh, day, the following Monday, on the front page of the Daily Northwestern, there was a photo of me being hauled away in cuffs <laughs> and an article about it. And I was wearing my fraternity sweatshirt too. So the letters were prominently displayed. And the headline was, what's happening to Northwestern? <laughs> so, that was my most memorable football experience at Northwestern. That's great. The charges were eventually dropped, <laughs> but I was put on probation. So. Temporary insanity, definitely. Yes. The favorite <laughs> thing about that, which was painful, was I remember, I don't remember being front page. I remember it, maybe I, it's so long ago, but I remember, or maybe there was a second one where they had like a photo spread, you know, of homecoming and, it, and the headline read, images of homecoming. And it was like a photo of like cheerleaders smiling. Oh, Mike, don't take away my glory by saying I wasn't on the front page of the newspaper. Come on. It's my only time I've ever. I ever think heard. it was on Time Magazine, if I remember correctly. <laughs> if they, Images of 1988. If this had happened uh, in 2020, if we were students, uh, you, that picture would be a meme everywhere. We would be memeing oh, yeah. the heck out of it. Um, I recall that your roommate uh, at the time, Rich Bateman, put up uh, that photo on the door and had some awesome. Uh, yeah, so was on. I can't remember what it was. It was good. <clears throat> that was that was a memorable year because I also got measles later on in the year from one of our pledges. So <laughs> that was my first quarantine experience. <laughs> I literally, I was quarantined for a week in the student health center with measles. Oh. Man. Uh, but those, but those games were like, you know, it's funny that you say that about like, you know, you could drink and then like just walk in to show your ID and then walk out. It was like a, like a high school. It, it was like high school in every way. Like the stadium was kind of old and run down. Uh, there really, there were no fans. There were no opposing fans. Um, there was like the student section. I mean, the whole Pro not even not even when they played like who who was the biggest Big Ten team back then? Oh, we I remember uh, they it lost Michigan. It was yeah the Michigans and Ohio States of the world. But like Wisconsin didn't travel. But Wisconsin didn't travel was games. terrible back then. Like we considered Wisconsin our peer in football back then. Wisconsin was uh, because they were terrible. It wasn't it wasn't until Barry Alvarez came to Wisconsin that Wisconsin became who they are now. But they were terrible back then. So. Um, yeah, it, it was just so difficult to imagine. Like if you had told me upon graduation, um, you know, uh, almost 30 years later, you will be doing a podcast on Northwestern's greatest games and you will have a lot to pick from. I would have been like, I don't see that. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
That's just how. like if you talked to a Cubs fan in 1983 and said, you're going to talk about all the great Cubs games. Same type of thing. Right. Well, right. Growing up a Cubs fan makes me identify with Northwestern too. Because the Cubs were awful growing up. It, it, it gives hope that you can turn around a, a program. And it, I mean, I mean, Barnett was an inspired hire and I mean, he, he worked a miracle. Yeah, this yeah. is, we are at the 25th year anniversary of the modern era of Northwestern football in 1995. Um, basically everything before that, except for maybe a few years with Eric Parashid and then, you know, when they went to, won the Rose Bowl in 49, I guess. Um, but other than that, there was like nothing. And then the last 25 years have, you know, have been pretty good. Yep. Really um, yeah, I had a 1995 Northwestern Rose Bowl sweatshirt because I was so excited for Northwestern <laughs> to have a good year. You know, that season was unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable from start to finish. Should we go? Um, should we, go, should we just compare uh, top 10 lists and we'll just go through and kind of sure. just, okay? You want to um, go backwards? So go to each say your tens and then. Yeah, that works. Go back and forth? Yeah. All right. I I was thinking, you know, uh, if it's okay, I was going to do like, because there were a lot of, there were a lot more than 10. Like, it was a tough Yes. It was a tough choice. And um, I just want to talk about one that, uh, just one that was like an honorable mention, one, and I know, Kevin, you have that too, just like really debated, hate to leave it off, but um. And for me, and I really wrestled with it, but I, I really am going to leave the Rose Bowl game off just because I know it was special. It was a signature. It was incredible, um, you know, to watch that on, on TV. I think if I had gone to the, you know, if I'd made the trip, I, I might feel differently. It was amazing mm-hmm. to watch it on TV. But the game, I just felt like they fought, you know, the Cats fought and fought, but, I mean, USC was just, better and they had Keyshawn Johnson who did what he wanted and I, I think if it had been a closer uh, um, you know more competitive I might put it in the top 10 but I'm, I'm that's going to be my honorable mention okay um, I'd put as my honorable mention well I have a lot of on my on my others receiving votes so to speak I do, I do too but, but I would throw I would put Along a similar line, but the 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 Outback Bowl, I guess it was for the 2009 season, but it was January 1st, 2010. The Outback Bowl game against Auburn, uh, which Northwestern lost in overtime, 38-35. Right. Um, But that was a crazy, crazy, crazy game. Not so game. Um, Northwestern's quarterback threw over 70 times in that game, I believe. Yeah. Mike Kafka, who is now the offensive coordinator, by the way, of the Kansas City Chiefs, I, I think, or he's the quarterback coach or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And he's like Pat Mahomes, like, you know, guy, basically. Um, and that game, you know, Northwestern was trailing throughout. A lot of these games they were trailing throughout and staged a furious comeback in the fourth quarter to tie the game 
And they, you know, they converted like many, like, you know, fourth downs just to get to that point. And then they were in a position to actually win the game when they recovered a fumble from Auburn very late in the game, like one minute left when the, and then the kicker, Stefan Demos, Demos, one of a long line of terrible Northwestern kickers, Northwestern historically, Pat Fitzgerald, you know, current coach and whoever is just never seems to find a kicker that he actually likes or trusts or actually believes in. And this guy was uh, one of those. And he had missed, I think, kicks throughout the game. You were at the game, if I recall, Mike. Yeah, I think he uh, had a couple. No one was feeling So he had a chance. Yeah, he had a chance to win the game, you know, with no time on the clock, basically. It was like 40-something yard field goal, and he missed it. And so it went to overtime. And Auburn got a field goal. They had the first possession. They got a field goal. And so it was 38-35. And then Northwestern got the ball back, got the ball in overtime. And they, you know, stalled out on their drive and they had to kick a field goal. And the kicker missed it again. But there was a roughing the kicker penalty on the play. Which wasn't roughing the kicker. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, this kicker, he actually, he was rough so much that he could, he was knocked out of the game. Um, he got injured on the play. And so he was unavailable to kick. And so they continued the drive down. I think they got within like the five yard line or something. Yeah, and they close. were fourth. It was close. They were close. And they were like, you know, Northwestern on the sideline was like warming up some backup guy who had never kicked in his life or something, or maybe a punter or something. And so they brought him out to kick the ball or at least ostensibly to kick, but it was actually a, a planned fake play where they immediately like went into some crazy formation and like the, a wide receiver took the snap and tried to you know run in and he got tackled like right at the one yard line and the game was over. Great. Game. Um, but it was, and this, you know, and this was before Northwestern had gotten off the schneid on winning a bowl game. And so it was, you know, especially heartbreaking because Northwestern had this long losing streak of losing bowl games in the modern era, starting with the Rose Bowl in 95, 96. Um, and so they lost that game, but that was my honorable mention. That was uh, just the one thing. So yeah, I was at the game, and yeah. the, the um, I went with Declan and uh, my son. And uh, uh, the one thing I remember about that game was that like everybody, we had moved down. We were at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. The ushers could have cared less about tickets or where you sat. Or and they, I mean they were. It's, it's like a Northwestern football game at home. Yeah, when yeah. We're in college. I was like, because <laughs> we all moved down because yeah. it was not the world's best weather. So we all got we, we got really close. And the ushers couldn't have cared less. And um, so we were. So there was really no rhyme or reason. It wasn't like the Big Ten championship. You know where the NU was in their section and Ohio State was pretty much all over the rest of the. It was very interspersed. So there are a lot of Auburn fans around. Those Auburn fans, I didn't meet one jag off. Those Auburn fans were great. And we all kept turning yeah. to each other and saying, this game is nuts. This is a great game. Like, we just kept uh, – that part was very cool. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it was kind of uh, – it was one of those games that, uh, you know, it was a shame there was a loser. Um, I haven't ranked sixth, um, even though they lost. When Auburn went the next year, they had got Cam Newton and won the national championship. That's right. So 
It was a springboard. This game for them. And Nick Fairley on that. Yes, uh, on that team. All right. What's your number? What's your number ten? My number ten. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with a tie here. And the, um, since I couldn't make a decision on this one, there's the 2011 Nebraska game in at Nebraska. And then I also have the Michigan 1996 game. Awesome. So the, so the Nebraska 2011 game, why I put that up there is that this was, I think this was Northwestern's first game against them as a member of the big 10. It was either, either that was the second, I think it may have been the first, but it was certainly the first one in Lincoln um, on the road. And Nebraska was ranked number 10 at this time. So this is when everyone, you know, Nebraska was still Nebraska. And Northwestern went into that game and it was a, you know, back and forth affair. This was the Kane Coulter, Trevor Simeon tandem team and Kane Coulter had a, a great game. And, you know, they, I don't remember what the final score was, but it was a, you know, high scoring game and they pulled it out at the end. And it was, it was, it was a really, really intense game and no one expected them to win that game. So that was just one of them. And then the 1996 Michigan game, which I, I talked to you earlier this week that you reminded me about, because like, I had kind of forgotten about this. Awesome. Game. But that game was, you know, this year after the Rose Bowl, you know, in, in 96, when uh, Northwestern, again, they were co-Big Den champions, to everyone's surprise, uh, that they, you know, they, they kept it going. And then that game was early in the, in the conference season, and they went, they were down like, 16 to nothing in the fourth quarter in that game. Yep. And they scored a touchdown, got a two point conversion to make it 16 to eight, kicked a field goal, 16 11, kicked another field goal, 16 14. And then there, I can't remember the entire sequence that led to it, but basically they, you know, they had a game winning field goal with like no time on the clock or like zero, like hardly any on the clock to win it. Um, it was an incredible comeback, uh, especially against a Michigan team. So that um, that game was awesome because yeah. um, I have that ranked number four. I think I ranked these games because this one I was at, um, mm -hmm. and the, my memories of that are that so when they they'd beaten Michigan in Ann Arbor the year before. Yep. And then the, the prevailing mood of the Michigan fans, there were a lot of them and they were like, the Michigan fans are so just pompous. They're just so, <laughs> they're not like, they're different from Ohio state fans who are just rude. And <laughs> Michigan fans think they're better. They, they think they're better than you, but not just in football basically. Right. Right. They're very entitled and they just, right. And uh, there was a guy so they were just all like cheer. They weren't even like going that crazy in this in this uh, '96 game. So it was like 16 to nothing. And there was a there was a guy. There was an NU fan who, when they started to come back, they scored. And this NU guy, this fan, started saying, "No need to panic, Michigan. You've got this. We're we just we're we're Northwestern and we suck." And he he <laughs> this up the entire fourth quarter. You know. <laughs> kicked field goals oh you still got it michigan no need to panic and then uh he had to kick he kicked uh gowans when he kicked the winning field goal he made it 
and they disallowed it because Lloyd Carr that's right. ran out on the field like, oh, I called timeout. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. He had to kick it twice. He had to kick it twice. Yeah. And, uh, and this guy was screaming. He's like, start panicking, Michigan. Start panicking. <laughs> now, this guy was you, wasn't it? I was with them. I was like, but yeah. you didn't get on the cover yeah. of Time magazine like Kevin did. So that's why you're not saying it was you, because it's not <laughs> as good a story. It's not. No, nothing will top. Um, nothing will top that photo or that story. Uh, but that's not number four. Um, my number, uh, those are great. My number 10 is, uh, um, uh, is a, from the pre, uh, it's the only game I have that's pre 95. It's from uh, 92. And I couldn't even find video of it because there was no, there were ESPN was not at this game. And, uh, I could only find like a tribune article on it and, Bill Jouse, the Tribune reporter, they used to give him like, I don't know, four or five column inches to write these nothing articles in the Trib, which basically would say cats lose 66 to nothing, <laughs> uh, Michigan. But um, yeah, this, it, was, it was Illinois' homecoming. Which every Big Ten team scheduled Northwestern for homecoming because it was a, pretty much a guaranteed win. Uh, 55,000 doing their, doing their chops and their cheers. And literally like, and you, <laughs> they had like two cheerleaders there. I don't even think the band went, there was probably <laughs> like a hundred fans at most. And I'd gone with uh, our friend, uh, our mutual friend, Byron, uh, visiting another mutual friend who was in grad school down at Champaign. And we went to the game and it was, you know, a typical NU affair where they're getting their butts kicked. And uh, at the fourth quarter, the score was 26 to six. And uh, so Byron and uh, uh, Pervez and I, we go into the bathroom to, uh, you know, freshen up. And uh, <laughs> uh, we were like, uh, should we leave? This is, you know, maybe we can go, you know, drink somewhere. And, and we kind of were like, ah, no, let's just stay. And so we stayed and NU scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. The last one coming with 13 seconds left to beat Illinois. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, 55,000 Illinois fans, like what? And us, this little sliver of purple, we're all. And this was like, was, was homecoming you said or the last game of the year? Illinois homecoming. Yeah. <clears throat> it was because it was, I confirmed it in that trib article. Uh, <laughs> Len well, Williams. Make, sure your, make sure your memory was correct. He did Len, some research. I, yeah. I, my, uh, my research staff. Uh, Maybe uh, DJ will know your name now. And, yeah, and notwithstanding that triumphant victory in 92, I think they fired Francis P after that and hired Barnett. So. Uh, I looked that up too. That was Barnett's first year because I didn't think that was right. Was it 92? Yep. Oh, that's right. P slasher was 91, which is the, the year after we graduated. So. It was a sign of things to come. Yeah, that was. I for a while I was like, that is the greatest Northwestern football player. <laughs> that was amazing. It, so that's got a personal. I put it in my top ten. Yeah. All right, what's your number nine? Uh, number nine. 
I am going to go with Nebraska in 2018. That was a wild. This is, yes. Um, Nebraska was not as good back then. In fact, they were 0 and 5 going into that game. <laughs> so it was not, you know, it's, it's Nebraska we have now, not the one we used to have. And yeah. this was Scott, Scott Frost's first year, and they were saying, oh my God, he's going to, you know, turn the program around. And I think they started after this game 0 and 6. Yeah. Um, and Northwestern was going into the game two and three, which included, amongst other things, where they lost all their non-conference games, I believe. And they, including a, an embarrassing loss to Akron. Oh, you recall that? I was at that game. Um, yes. I mean, I mean, Northwestern has, even in its modern era, has a history of just playing to the level of its MAC opponent basically all the time and has some terrible losses in non-conference like northern the northern illinois losses and the miami ohio and illinois state and there's been a lot of those and the akron one was really bad at any event so nobody was expecting much from them this year that year because they had started so poorly but they and they were down in that game throughout and they got the ball back with like a minute or so left on the on their own one yard line and Clayton Thorson, who I think is still somewhere in the pros right now, but a four-year starter, um, he drove them 99 yards in less than a minute to tie the game. And then uh, they won the game in overtime. And that game served as a springboard to them winning two more consecutive overtime games, including one I think that was triple overtime. And they went on that year to, you know, win the Big Ten West and you know, played in the conference championship game. So it was, a, uh, you know, wouldn't have thought of it at the time, but that was a springboard game. Yeah. So. That was, that was a wild, that was an awesome game. That yeah. was an awesome game. And it really did uh, kind of get them out of whatever funk they were in. Cause they were really tough after that. Yeah. Really. Their offense stunk, but that's, yeah. you know, the, it's the defense carried them that year. So yeah, I have <laughs> I have some Clayton Thorson information for you guys. So he got picked by the Eagles, then he was on the Giants, and now he's on the Cowboys. So he's just taking a tour of the <laughs> NFC East. <laughs> the shows, to show how good Clayton Thorson is, he still can't get playing time with the Cowboys, even though they're down to like their fourth string quarterback. <laughs> right now. So, it's like Andy Dalton's out, and they look down, they go, "Okay, who do we got left? Uh, well, uh, well, we got Clayton Thorson. Now we'll go with this other guy." <laughs> They also this, on this yeah, thing. Danucci guy or whatever, and Garrett Gilbert or whatever. Listen so. to this, what I just Googled. Thorson was a four-year starter at Northwestern, but he didn't seem to significantly improve from season to season. <laughs> I said that Man, many a time. Google. <laughs> I was saying that up till the bitter end with Clayton Thorson. He's saying he doesn't seem to get better. So. Wow, that's rough. That's yeah. a rough Google. And he's he's considered probably the greatest quarterback in Northwestern history besides Otto Graham, I guess. Which is uh, unbelievable. I don't consider yeah. him. The, yeah. I don't Trevor consider Simeon him. has had a better pro career than <laughs> so I used to wasn't like, wasn't Brett Bassinez, is that how you say his name? Wasn't he pretty good? Yes. Bassinez was good. Yeah. Person. Was he better than Thorson? I think so. Zach Zach Kustak, we'll probably get to him uh, in a second, but 
better than Thorson. Dan Persa was very good. CJ Bachet. I thought better than Thorson. Yeah. They were better passers, definitely. Well, he fooled everybody. He got drafted. Yeah, I know. He has he had like the physical, you know, like attributes, I think, that you look for in a quarterback. He just, you know, he never was a, a stellar, you know, he was never all Big Ten, let's put it that way. Not just doesn't have football instincts, you think? He was just a talented I think guy. He, I think he was hamstrung a lot by the offensive coordinator that, yeah. you know, they finally jettisoned after last year's debacle. He was, you know, he really made it hard for him to succeed in many ways. But also, I just don't think he ever really turned the corner in his development to become a better quarterback. So he was mobile. But, you know, he has the best record of success in, you know, in program history. So can't, can't criticize that. No. And, so. and, you know, he engineered a lot of big wins, especially that, that, that season. Yeah. All right, what's your number nine? We're only on number nine. We got a long ways to go. No, we gotta we gotta pick this up. We gotta we, we gotta uh, pick up the pace here. How about how about this? How about you guys do do them all, and then when we're done. We'll talk about them. That's a good idea. Do a run through. You go ahead, Mike. So my number nine is Northwestern beats Michigan State in the two thousand one season. That was where they they had three scores back and forth scores in the last like two minutes. Um, including this Zach Kustak Hail Mary. Number eight, uh, NU beats Utah in 2018, the, the Holiday Bowl. Uh, seven is Northwestern beats Notre Dame in South Bend, uh, 2014. Six was the Outback Bowl. Five was uh, Notre Dame beats Minnesota in 2000 on the. You said Notre, you said Notre Dame. Oh, I meant Minnesota. No, you said Northwest. You said Notre Dame beats Minnesota. Oh, because I have <laughs> Northwestern beats Minnesota um, on that Hail Mary. That was in 2000. Uh, NU, four is NU beats Michigan. We talked about that game. Three is um, Northwestern beats Wisconsin in 95, the 35 nothing game uh, shutout. Number two is Northwestern beats Notre Dame in South Bend in 95, which kind of jumpstarted it all. And then my all-time favorite NU game is the instant classic, the Brett Musburger uh, NU defeat of Michigan, 54 to 51. That's in 2000. Those are my top 10. Okay. Uh, a lot of overlap with yours. Um, not necessarily in the same order, though. So I've already said my nine. Uh, number eight, I have the Minnesota 2000 game, the victory right, uh, Hail Mary game, basically. Uh, number seven, I have Wisconsin game in 1996. That was, uh, that was on my short list. Great game. Yes. Number six, I have the Utah Holiday Bowl victory in 2018 season. Number five, I put the Rose Bowl game, the loss to USC. I was at that game, which I think is one reason why I have um, a different memory of it than you, um, including the fact that Northwestern did take the lead in that game in the fourth quarter, 32-31, and then um, and then ended up losing 41-32. Um, number four, I put the, uh, the win over Mississippi State in the Gator Bowl, uh, which is – I think it was, I can't remember, was it the 2013 season, I believe, but it may have been 2014, uh, January. 
because um, that was Northwestern's first bowl win in the modern history. Uh, number three, I did the Penn State 1995 game. Uh, which was, you know, that was when it became real that this was a team, you know, prime time, Keith Jackson, you know, uh, well, it may have been a, a 3.30 game, but it, it was, it was, that was the moment when Northwestern was recognized as a team to be reckoned with. <laughs> and they were, and they were on the cover of Sports Illustrated after that win. Number two, I put the Michigan 54-51 um, win in 2000. And then number one, I put the Notre Dame 1995 win. So let's uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about since uh, those NU Michigan and NU Notre Dame games are both our one two. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your memories of the? And we'll start with the Notre Dame game first. Um, well, the memory is, I mean, I still to this day remember pretty much everything about that game. You know, I watched it on TV, obviously, yeah. you know, and it was like, you know, it's like, it was like an, you know, pre-Labor Day game, I think, you know, it's, it was not even, it was the first game of the season. Yeah. And, you know, I think Northwestern was like three, eight and one or something or three and eight the previous year. You know, it's, it's, you know, the story that nobody believed in them, you know, it was against Lou Holtz, um, who, you know, was up on my list of hated most hated figures in college football so um, you don't want my autographed book i got then <laughs> i got it his, for free. i got his it like a, his like life his life life lessons and you know how to succeed in life the blue holtz way um something like that i didn't read it yeah <laughs> um and you know the game was you know a low scoring affair but it was like what 17 15 i think was the final score or something and um, and, you know, it's just, you know, in ret- it's, it's a game that in retro, you know, if they had just won that game and then had a typical Northwestern season, it would have been, oh, that was fun and a great game, but it really didn't mean anything. But in retrospect, you know, when people look back, you know, it means everything. Yep. Um, and including the fact that they, you know, the following week they lost, you know, that Miami, Ohio game where they blew a huge lead. And, um, and then after that went on the winning streak that led them to the Rose Bowl. So, um, it's just, you know, when people think about Northwestern football, that's almost always going to be that in the Michigan game probably is the ones that, you know, immediately spring to mind is when they think about that. So that's my reason I put it number one. Yeah. And, uh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say Notre Dame was a 28 point favorite that game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, B sent me a bunch of YouTube clips of famous Northwestern games. Some I remembered, some I didn't. But the thing I noticed, the 295 ones, well, the Notre Dame game, like the Northwestern legends that I think of, it's like Fitzgerald and Autry and Bates. Those are the three guys that stood out in that game. And then the, the Brian Greasy Michigan game, Brian Greasy was a decent pro and he got destroyed that game. Every clip is like Fitzgerald <laughs> knocking him in the chin. I was like, they, they killed him. And that was a pro. That was a guy who made the pros and had a decent career. So that was pretty impressive. I mean, you could take like multiple games from the 95 season and put those up there. And the you know, Michigan game is one of those as well. And didn't make my list, but that was only because I felt guilty about putting too many on the list, basically. For 95. What, what was the um, score of their bowl game that year? The, the Rose, Rose Bowl, they, 
They lost 41 to 32. Oh, that was, yeah, okay. Yeah, I didn't remember. I remember that score in particular because I had actually started, that year I started, I was living in New York then, and I, um, this is, you know, pre-internet, you know, and I got hooked up, like, with, from a friend of mine with a bookie, like a real, like, old school bookie, because he, you know, he's like a New York guy, and he made sports bets and stuff like that, and I started betting Northwestern that season, and I was on a roll, like, making money with this guy, Um, and the Northwestern, the Rose Bowl spread, I think, was like, it was like eight or something like that. It was like something very close to the final score. And I put my money on Northwestern. And that was a game I lost, actually. I lost money on that game. But um, I do remember that spread very, very much. So. Funny. I didn't know that. That's, um, the, uh, you know, one of the things from the 95 season was it wasn't, it wasn't, the, Northwestern needed Michigan to beat Ohio State to go to right. the road. And they were both undefeated going into it and they didn't play each other that season. So Ohio state was heavily favored that game. Yeah. They had Bobby Hoying and Eddie George and Terry Glenn and um, Michigan had a freshman, Charles Woodson. And uh, they had Tim Biakabatuka as their <laughs> running back. And, uh, I think Ohio State was, um, but anyway, for only time in my life I have ever rooted for Michigan to beat Ohio <laughs> State. But we watched that game also in New York because our mutual friend was getting married. Yeah, and just as context, Northwestern wrapped up their season the week before, and then Michigan Ohio State was playing right in the final week. So we already finished an undefeated season, and Ohio State had one more game with Michigan. So continue. And- and we uh, basically we were like we are not going to make this train to get to this wedding. Uh, this it was on Long Island or something like that. Yeah, it was on Long. Yeah, right. That's right. And uh, throws the uh, incomplete pass. I can still see a Bobby Hoying throws incomplete on fourth down. We start going crazy. Me, Kevin, and uh, our friend Brian. We're going crazy, and then we're like, we gotta go go and then we ran found some taxi some new york cabbie was like you got us to grand central station i mean we are running for that train i remember that like yes i remember that barely made it but we and there's your romantic plot. comedy plot there you go right <laughs> the best line of the night was at the wedding um the the best man also and uh, you Greg ziegler Greg ziegler uh, gets up and he said, boy, you know, I never thought Rich Kelly would ever settle down and ever get married. I just never thought that would happen. And I said to anyone, the day Rich Kelly gets married is the day, I don't know, Northwestern goes to the Rose Bowl or something. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best line. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, we're... Michigan, uh, let's get the Michigan game. What's that? The 2000 Michigan game. Should we? Yeah, let's talk about that. Delve into that. Yeah, I left. You go that. first. I left that game. Yeah, <laughs> I had a show, and and so like it was the third quarter, and I was like, "This game is is." A, they know, were losing. They were losing by double digits in the in the. Yeah, but quarter. they were coming back, and you could tell that it was that NU was not going anywhere. 
And I remember thinking, I got to leave right now because if I stay any longer, I'm going to, I'm in till the end and I won't make the show and I'll get fired from the production. So I just, I left, I did an Irish goodbye. I didn't tell anyone just left. And I remember that I walked, I took the train down to, um, to uh, Lincoln park where the theater was. So I'm walking to the purple line. It was the only time I've ever walked through Ryan Field, just the halls of Ryan Field, and there was nobody there. I mean, it was empty. Nobody, which I've never seen before or since. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the second was that um, I was waiting for the train, and I knew Northwestern had scored because the noise from that train was, I've never heard it that loud. I mean, that, that game was special just in terms of the atmosphere, Brent Musburger, Michigan. It was big, big game, and I left. <laughs> Not all the games you sent me; those highlights are incredible. And yeah. I had a, yeah. you know, like a vague memory of it. I remember when it happened, but the Northwestern basically had the game. That guy dropped the touchdown pass, the running back. Yeah, he was wide open, and he had wow. had an amazing game. Yeah, Damian Damian Anderson had an amazing season. At that game, he was, you know, he had. 200, I don't know when it was tolls were, but he was like 200 yards, maybe rushing. They couldn't stop him. And yeah, then they um, could not. Um, when this is a question I was going to ask you guys. So when Thomas hit the ball, there was only like 50 something seconds left and he, he fumbled, but in college, you can't run the clock out that easily or did Northwestern have timeouts. Why was he running with that little time left? Do you remember? I think they may have needed to run. They couldn't just do victory formation at that point. I think there yeah. was, they had to run the clock some more. Because Thomas the broke, he broke, yeah, he broke through the line and was going for a gain. And somehow they poked the ball away from him at, you know, and he looked totally he shocked. Like, yeah. in the he's like, Where, where'd the ball go? That's <laughs> just, that's just an amazing sequence. It was really exciting to just watch the highlights. I was like, wow. And, and I remember, that game I is actually—that but... game is considered actually a historically important game in college football history because that was the season where Northwestern debuted the no huddle offense, um, where you know no huddling and they were calling all the plays from from the line, you know, quick and everything like that, and it was like showing people basically you know that this type of spread offense with no huddle. This is like the new, this is the wave of the future, basically, in, in offense. Um, and so it was, it's considered like, you know, an important marker in, in college football. So. Yeah, it was, it was just an amazing game. And X Bears, David Terrell and Anthony Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> the Cats could back not. When, back when David Terrell was a good player, <laughs> he was not good on the Bears. No. I think he had one good game on the Bears, and it was when they played in Champaign for that year. I think he had a game-winning catch or something in Champaign. The other notable aspect of that game was that the guy who caught the winning touchdown pass was Sam Simmons, the receiver. The preceding week, the Minnesota game that I was on my list, he had caught the Hail Mary at the end of the game. Uh, it was a tip play that won the game for them uh, that week. And this was in back-to-back weeks they had these wins, basically. Wow. So, um, that Minnesota uh, game, 
unbelievable. Un- yeah, they were down. They were down by three touchdowns. Yeah. In, in the fourth quarter in that game. What, what did they end up? Back. What was the record that year, Northwestern? Uh, I I know they won the Big Ten. What was it? I think they finished. I think it was like eight and four, maybe or something. Or right. They lost one Big Ten game or two Big Ten games. They lost a game to Purdue, which caused, which ended up being making them co-champions. And Purdue went to the Rose Bowl. Drew Brees, I believe, that year. Um, I forget who and you played in that in that bowl season. I don't remember. They lost. I know that. <laughs> they lost. Yes. What an exciting year, though. Oh, Two you know what? Wait, like you know what that year was actually? Now that I remember, we played Nebraska in that game, and we got killed in the Alamo Bowl. That's right. It was like sixty-three to something. It was like an embarrassment. It was like Lawrence Phillips, I think, was on that. T- team yeah it was a bad he was hopped up on every drug though lawrence phillips and i think he shot two people after the game so yeah yeah he probably beat up could dismiss that one so he was a great guy (laughs) that 2000 season was like full of like they were called the cardiac cats um i'd forgotten all about that wisconsin game which was a 47 40 border 47 to 44 total barn burner forgot all about Great. That was the day when Northwestern had offense and no defense. Now it's been kind of like completely flipped where they have no offense. Yeah. So. Well, we'll see. Hopefully they can um, they can uh, beat Wisconsin. I think we're going to find out a lot about the Cats. Um, well, what do you guys think? What do you, how do you guys think they'll end up this year? They've kind of got an easy – I mean, if they can beat Wisconsin, there's no reason why they could – if they can beat Wisconsin, then they have like their last three games because they only got eight games this year: are Michigan State, Minnesota, and Illinois. Those are all winnable games. Win all those games. Um, so, this is really, I think, the game that you know. If they can win this game, they should be in a position to win the whole the division. Um, but I have no idea whether they can beat Wisconsin at this point. I don't think Wisconsin played enough competition to, yeah, you know, to really know who they are. You know. Mm-hmm. They've only played two games and against two teams that have turned out, you know, Michigan's turned out to be not very good. So, and Illinois is terrible. So, um, it's doable. Yeah. Yep. And then they'll so, probably, they'll probably play, hopefully, they'll play Indiana in the Big Ten Championship. <laughs> yeah. Mike and I both have younger brothers that went to Indiana. So, um, so I've been trash talking with my brother. Uh, about Indiana and Northwestern football and who's better. And so Indiana's right like 10th, right? Aren't they yeah. like 10th? Yeah, but I was telling my brother, it's he, they really shouldn't be ranked 10th because their competition's actually hasn't been as good as he thinks it is. So. Yeah. And, North, and Northwestern's beaten better teams, and he doesn't like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> they play Indiana plays Ohio well, this week, so we're going to find out a lot about yeah. Hoosiers, too. But I think it'd be great if, they, you know, the 25th anniversary of the Rose Bowl season. That'd be so, awesome. Be, yeah. Got there again. Yeah. What? Okay. So if, if you guys had to pick your favorite play ever in Northwestern football, which what would you pick? Your favorite one play. I know it's tough, but. That's a good question. Favorite play. I got to really think. That's tough. I. 
I would go like my first, uh, like my knee jerk response um, would either be the, the Hail Mary from Zach Kustak to Simmons. Cause that was just the Hail Mary is like one of the great plays. Um, uh, yeah. Or the, we didn't talk about that NU Michigan state game, but Kustak also threw an incredible Hail Mary in that game, just to put him in field goal range. I thought yeah, that, that was insane. Over. Yeah. Um, yeah. I watched, I watched the highlights of that one. I couldn't believe that pass got through. I <laughs> he like the, I think the receiver caught it in stride. Where was the defense on that play? It was a weird, he caught it in stride on his knees. I believe <laughs> it was, a, it was a weird play. I was like, how did that get there, man? It was. The other, the, the, the other, so those two, and then all these, I guess, involve Zach Kustak, but Kustak's touchdown run in that NU Michigan game where he basically snaked across the field to mm-hmm. get to the ends. Unbelievable. What a run. Those would be my, off the top of my head, those would be my, my picks. Yeah. I, I would definitely put all those on my list. Like, you know, another one I would throw in is that 96 Wisconsin game where, it's, it was similar to the Michigan 2000 game where Northwestern basically had the, you know, the game was lost and all uh, Wisconsin had to do was literally run the clock down. And this is a case where they could have probably taken a knee and just done it. But for some reason, they handed it off to Ron Dane and he fumbled it. This is at Wisconsin. And Northwestern recovered and, and then you know proceeded to drive down. And there was a touchdown pass to Dwayne Bates from Steve Schnurr that just, you know, silenced the crowd, basically. They were stunned. Yeah. And then yeah. I watched the, I was watching the video, you know, the, you know, the highlights, you know, where it's the ABC crew or whatever, and I was saying, like, you know, it's like, you shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't be pointing the cameras at Ron Day in this game. They should be pointing it at their staff. You know, they put them in this position, you know. It's like, <laughs> this has got to kill them, you know. So it, it just made me happy to see that, because I actually, I actually think Wisconsin is my least liked I, I dislike Wisconsin more than any other program in the Big Ten, probably just because I think I consider them their toughest and biggest rival for Northwestern geographically and, you know, and because they're in the same division and all the other things. So um, I just don't, you know, I don't know what you think, Mike, but who, which, which program do you hate the most in the Big Ten? Well, that gets to my Ohio issues that you <laughs> I knew you were going to say. Yeah, Ohio I know this is all very. I heard some Ohio State rants from you. Freudian, you know, <laughs> psychological things going on because I, Ohio State roots are the, they are the worst. They really are. Um, or, put it this way: the tra- the ones that travel are the worst. Um, this is my yeah. this is story about Ohio State, and um, and my brother tells it. They. Uh, came to Indiana's, um, they played at Indiana needing to win to clinch a Big Ten berth or whatever, beat Indiana easily. The Ohio State fans rushed the field and tore down Indiana's goalposts. I mean, that, that just says it all about Ohio State. Yeah. They are the worst. They may be the worst in all sports. And I have friends who are Ohio State fans, and to them I say, you're great. Yeah. I mean, Ohio State fans are probably the equivalent of like an Alabama um, Clemson type fan because that's obviously who they consider their peers. But they're that type of, you know, the school that 
you know, it's not, it's just a factory, basically. It's not an academic institution, you know, by any stretch. You know, they're just there to, you know, produce product on the field, basically. And, you know, they're basically the professional team of, you know, middle, you know, of Ohio in many ways. And they expect, and the fans expect that. And they just, you know, they just, you know, they're arrogant as hell. So they have certainly surpassed the Browns in yeah. popularity in Cleveland. Yeah. No doubt about it. Well, they have a better record. They have a better history of winning. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, um, it's the truth. Yeah. Until Jedrick arrives, right? Jedrick, Jedrick has arrived. Junior will to be. <laughs> Brown's resurgence. He's going to lead the <laughs> There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, and Jedrick is holding the lantern. You promised, Len. You. He must deliver. He must deliver. Yep. Uh, well, this has been a great podcast and it ran long, but that's how fired up we get over our cats. Um, that's right. So Kevin, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, your uh, your uh, Premier Gold status is secure, and we'll let's, we're going to uh, give you a free year. So. <laughs> All right, we'll have you. Will I get a lot of inside looks? When will I get the T-shirt? Um, Fedora, Jan we're waiting. I don't know why that we haven't gotten them yet, but you'll just text me your size, what color you want. Yeah. And maybe you'll have a Merry Christmas this year. Cause it seems to be that my staff gets the majority of the workload, uh, Len. Your staff is AWOL. Come on. <laughs> they're busy, they're busy fixing the fax machine. <laughs> it's out of it's out of toner. <laughs> they get they get heated up. They really do. They get heated up. They run our third or fourth one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. Tell a friend about us. And when you're ready. Put a little jag bags in your ear. <laughs>